Naughty Nature takes an unfiltered look at the R-rated side of nature, so this podcast may not be suitable for all audiences. Lindsay and I like fungus and I'm Rachel and I like birds and this is Rachel's week but before we go any further you need to know that this podcast is rated R for some strong language very graphic sexual descriptions sometimes drugs and alcohol but mostly sex in this one and (gasps) anatomy oh I'm so excited oh yeah we're gonna get real sexy this time Today, we're going to be taking a deep dive into what is probably going to end up being my favorite episode of Night Nature that oh. I've done so far. I'm very excited about it. We're going to talk about duck sex, which predictable. Lindsay, I know, I know. <laughs> Lindsay's face remained totally stoic, and she's trapped here and has no choice but to listen to me. But that might not be entirely true, but I'll stay. Okay. Well, at any rate, um, for those of you at home who are like, well, I know everything about duck sex. Hey, stop it. You stay right there. Don't move. Listen, because there's going to be new stuff for you that you may not have heard before, and it's going to be really fun. So please stay. Okay. Okay. I'm here. But we're going to take a minute to... Go over some serious stuff. Yeah. But in a fun way. No. It's a little fun. (laughs) All right. My peeps. Today is March, what day? 19th. 19th March 19th of the year 2020. Oh, Lord. Just in case. <laughs> um, the Great Plains Nature Center is closed right now due to concern, public health concerns. We're closed to the public. Um, public health concerns. It's the coronavirus. Yeah, it's the coronavirus or COVID-19. I have a bad tendency to say COVID-19 all the time. No, that's not right that's at all. The that's only the reason I didn't say COVID-19. <laughs> I say COVID a lot. Yeah, me too. Um, so we're working diligently to bring you a lot of podcast episodes, and we're working on creating educational videos that we are hosting live and posting on our Facebook and they're on our website. And really, we're just trying to bring you some educational entertainment that you can enjoy from the comfort of your couch with no pants on. Yes. Yes. And even though our building is closed, we're still working this whole time, as far as we know. It is subject to change, obviously. This was recorded again on Thursday. That's why we're given a timestamp. <laughs> so TBD on it if anything changes. But yeah, we're here. Okay, cool. Let's talk about corkscrew penises. Yes. <laughs> I'm seriously so excited um, to talk about this. So... The, I guess, more defined topic for today is antagonistic sexual co-evolution. It's a lot of words. It is a lot of words. And that's kind of the term that describes what the heck is happening with duck sexual relations. Okay. Right. <laughs> um, it is antagonistic and it is a co-evolved system between the male and female parties. So... I'm going to give you guys a little bit of background on what exactly this means and why it's so freaking cool. And Lindsay, I've got some videos and things that you haven't seen before necessarily. Okay. I'm, yeah. Okay. I'm getting more excited. Yeah. Obviously you've seen like, okay, we've, we've done some recent stuff even with duck vaginas. So I know Lindsay's like, oh, God, this again. <laughs> 
Maybe a tiny bit. A little bit. Yeah, shut the but fuck up. But there's new info. I'm excited. Okay? It, yeah, well, new to you and compiled in a different way. So um, what's what's kind of crazy about this whole system is that this was only discovered in 2007. Wow. That this existed. Yeah. And I've got one of that original study from 2007 right here pulled up on another window so that we can see some of the diagrams. Like, okay, you know that one picture that I've shown of like the penis and the vagina like dissected out of the bodies? Yeah. Yeah. That came from this paper and they studied 16 different species of ducks and there's all kinds of penises and vaginas for us to look at. Cool. <laughs> I know. It's going to be fun. Um, but this was done by Dr. Patricia Brennan, who at the time was with both Yale and the University of Sheffield and some other colleagues of hers. And this is where they discovered the origins of this like cryptic female choice. Um, I'm going to post a link to this article so that you guys can all look at the pictures too. It's amazing. Okay. So um, here, here's why this was so crazy. Uh, in the introduction of her paper, Brennan says, you know, she, she kind of lays out the foundation of our studies of female reproduction in animals. And at the time, in 2007, not that long ago, there was evidence that some females could respond uh, to manipulating male strategies by having different behaviors that they would use as like a counter strategy and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But it really wasn't observed that there could be any kind of evolution anatomy responses except in invertebrates. Oh. Yeah. So um, – Like bed bugs. Yeah, yeah, for one example, I guess. Uh, I don't know if that was discovered back in 2007, but yeah, exactly. Probably not, but... So um, in some invertebrates, the female response to male strategies involved changes in genital anatomy, but, and this is a quote from her study, although in general, female genitalia were considered less variable than male genitalia at the time in all of those examples. Mm. So our only examples of that were in invertebrates, and they always considered the male genitals to still be more complex and therefore more interesting and variable Fucking than the rude. female anatomy. I know. So at the time, the bird vagina was described as being this short, narrow, muscular duct that was kind of folded and covered in connective tissue and that there was no variation in its basic design at all. And at the time, they wrote, this is a quote, these data, as in the data that they're reporting, represent the most elaborate known case of genital coevolution in vertebrate animals, period. Wow. That's pretty significant. It is very significant. So basically, the whole idea of this system is that sometimes evolution takes some really weird, unpleasant, aggressive paths and can lead to some crazy evolution of genitalia, which before this – we didn't know it was possible to have this much variation in a female genital system at all. Huh. Which is really cool. That is neat. Yes. So, Lindsay, yes. we're going to start by describing the deed in ducks. So, I don't know if you realize this, but I really don't ever talk about this during duck <laughs> sex talks. <laughs> that makes, that makes, Sounds like you're like <laughs> – a duck sex therapist. Yeah, I'm a wildlife rehabber too, and I have to give the talk to all those ducklings as they come of age. 
God. Okay. <laughs> well, at any rate, um, ducks are actually seasonally monogamous. They are a monogamous animal, which means they mate with one in a season. Yeah. Just the same dude the whole the season. Sa- the same dude. Yeah. They find a partner and that partner stays with her the entire season. And the the word seasonally monogamous just basically means that they can find a different partner every single year, but sometimes they stay together if they really like each other or whatever. Yeah. I was going to ask that. Is that true across all species of ducks? Yes, as far as I know. Okay. Yep. Ducks as a group are, with maybe some exceptions that I'm not aware of, seasonally monogamous. And that's not just like the one dude she hangs out with and mates with, but like they stay together during the season and they actually will pair up during winter or migration depending on the species. So like we're talking December these ducks are actually forming their bonds on their wintering grounds or maybe even like into March. Like, so right now Mm -hmm. there are probably ducks that are still finding their partner for the season and eloping or whatever for the year. And they're going to stay together the rest of the breeding season. The pairs, they can be socially dependent on each other. Sometimes the male will feed the female while she stays in the nest the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, the male sometimes guards the territory where their nest is located and they generally just hang out. So they are monogamous. <laughs> what? Okay. Something's spurring in my brain, but you haven't mentioned it yet. So I'm going to hang on. To Go this ahead. Question. Cause I think it's coming next. Okay. From our previous duck sex talks. Yes. I know that some ducks will Force themselves on the females. Yep. Okay. And it's not necessarily one that does it to nope. that individual female. It's nope. several of them. So yeah. how do we know that it's like that male? Like, does she just pick one of the males that did that to her? Does oh. that male actually have to be the that paternal part of her chicks? I mean... I see what you mean. Okay, okay. I promise you I will answer all of those questions. Right now I will do my best to answer what you're kind of getting at okay without revealing some of the stuff I want to talk about later on yeah so um basically once they've paired up males that remain unpaired and couldn't find a lady they're kind of like the r slash nice guys of the duck world which is definitely anthropomorphizing and I do want to make a point I was going to make this point later on as well but it's really important in a conversation like this where we are talking about like forced copulations and stuff that we remove as much of that anthropomorphizing wow words as possible because it really isn't appropriate to add human emotions and morals onto an animal species um but basically these males are unmated unpaired and so in order to attempt to get a girl they will force themselves into one of those monogamous pair bonds in an attempt to copulate and get some offspring okay so you're saying that they're gonna there's a mated Pair, pair for uh-huh. the season, and then there's this loner who doesn't yep. have a mate yet who just like wedges himself in there. Yep, yep. Sometimes it's when the male is gone. Maybe he's off looking oh, for food oh, to feed the female. What a sneaky Sometimes, shit. yeah, I know. Sometimes her mate is there. Sometimes he intervenes. Sometimes he doesn't. <gasps> what? And I have data on that. No. But it's later on, so I'm going to hang on to that actual data. But okay. yeah, sometimes her partner is there and like just does not intervene. Oh, sees exactly no. what's happening. And maybe it's one male. Maybe it's multiple males. And whether there's only one or multiple will affect the male's decision about whether he tries to save his mate. You're joking. Nope. 
Okay, I'm here for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Here. Okay, so that's that's the the um, antagonistic part of this antagonistic coevolution is okay. that those unmated males that just aren't good enough for the females for whatever reason, or maybe there's just an unbalance, or you know, whatever. Who knows what's going on? Actually, we do have some data on what's going on and how she selects her mate. More on that later. But um, they will force themselves on the females in order to get laid. Oh, and actually. Um, some duck species are worse offenders than others. Mallards are the actual worst. Actually, we mm. saw this happen yesterday when we went on <gasps> our walk in the trail. Yes, yeah, I remember what you saying – I remember you telling one of the female ducks to run away. I was <laughs> busy looking at mushrooms. Oh, Lindsay. I'm sorry. Uh, okay, well, I'll describe what happened since you apparently missed it. Okay, thank you. But this female duck came like flying around the corner in the wetland area mm-hmm. and she was being followed in the air by two male mallards and she was just running as fast as she could through the air. I did see that. Away from them, yep. Um, so yeah, in mallards, 40% of all copulations are forced. Holy moly, that's a lot. Yeah, so almost half of all duck sex is non-consensual forced copulation. Dang. Yeah. But here's the kicker, and we'll talk about this later on, but here's why it's antagonistic co-evolution, because even though, even in mallards where 40% of the copulations are forced, even though this happens, her ducklings are almost always from her mate. Wow. And not from any of those forced copulations. Okay, okay. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. So my my uh, goal today, we're going to talk first about the male duck and his anatomy and what's going on with him. Okay. Including, I have answered the question that plagued us last time about their penises dribbling up. Great. So I've answered that question. I've got that for you. Then we're going to talk about the female duck anatomy because it seems like her evolution of her genitals is in response to male evolution. So... That's going to come next. And then we're going to end it by talking about how you actually do woo a female duck to get laid and have a girlfriend. Cool. Um, Yeah. Also, there's a really fun book that I have a quote from. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So (laughs) let's talk about the dudes. Um, Hey, Lindsay. Yeah. What makes ducks special in the bird world? They have penises. (laughs) Yep. And that is uncommon. Actually, 97% of all birds don't have penises. Very, very rare, uh, but ducks do. And this is an explosive erection. Lindsay, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I've, I've shown Lindsay a video of this and, and some of our live show listeners or watchers, audience members, whatever. Um, but Lindsay, could you please describe the oh. Muscovy duck video that we have watched many, many times? Yeah, okay. It's black and white. You might have seen it before, yes. dear listeners. And I assume you'll put it out in the show notes? Oh, for sure. Okay. Trying to figure out how to describe this. So this this video takes place in slow motion. Yes. And there's nothing there, just like a bunch of feathers and maybe like a foot. <laughs> and all of a sudden, this corkscrewy, fleshy protrusion just like shoots out. And it's really bouncy. And it looks very squishy and weird. <laughs> This is very entertaining to me. It's hard for me to describe. And um, it's like real big. (laughs) Yeah. And it's a Muscovy duck that we're talking about. Not a mallard. Wait. Right? Um, Actually, it might be a pecking duck. I don't remember anymore. But if it it were like one of those domestic ducks, usually those domestic breeds are derived from mallards. So they're kind of similar. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
So anyway, it's this long, fleshy crotch rocket that just shoots out and it's wet looking. (laughs) When it's fully out, you see a very brief arc of semen that is ejected. As it slowly swings back and forth from the momentum of its explosion. Yeah. I I would like to formally apologize for what you guys just had to listen to. (laughs) Oh, I really love this element of podcasting where it's like, it's time to be creative. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Good, good description there, Lindsay. That was great. Um, So I think in general, it takes about three, I'm trying to see if I wrote this down in my notes. I'm going to be mad at myself if I didn't. I didn't. That's okay. I think it's about three-tenths of a second. That's so fast. Yeah, for a bird, a duck, to become fully erect. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I'm sure that varies by species and the length of their penis and stuff, which does vary. But at any rate, yeah, explosive. Now, oh, oh, I did write it down here. So yeah, in mallards at least, it's less than a third of a second. Oh, so fast. So, yep, incredibly fast. Now, as you described... All duck penises are corkscrew shaped. I believe that the male is counterclockwise. From if you're looking from the base of the shaft up toward the tip, it's counterclockwise. Um, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, did you know that in addition to being corkscrew shaped, depending on the species of the duck, it may also have ornamentations? What? Yeah. No way. Those ornamentations include grooves, barbs, and spines. Oh, no. Sometimes that male penis, as opposed to female penis, no, only the males and ducks have penises. Um, But yeah, sometimes that penis has like backwards facing spines so that... If you can imagine that explosive penis coming out, it's like almost like it's crawling its way up the reproductive tract yeah. and like getting traction to like go explore further down her cave. <laughs> Sorry. And does that sound kind of familiar? Yeah. Yeah. It it does have the same function as our other penis scrapers. No. Yep. So like a cat where they're just like scraping other males' sperm out, that can be part of the... The draw, I guess, of the penis for the male, having spines and barbs and stuff. Um, and I probably have some pictures in here. We, I'll, I'll take a minute to look in a second. But um, at any rate, it, it also does help it to worm its way through. So that's another really important function of those extra ornamentations. Yeah. It's ribbed for her pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> well, pro- probably not It's quite. definitely not. <laughs> it's definitely not. Um, but hey, we don't know. We can't ask the fully consenting females whether her seasonal partner yeah. is indeed pleasuring her that way. We that I don't know if we can measure that. That's that's fair. Yep. So um now that we've described that, let me find some of the <laughs> photos in here from this study. Oh, those are just the vaginas. Okay, let me find the vagina pairs with penises. <laughs> oh, those are just the vagina. <laughs> Shut up. Um said out of context. <laughs> wouldn't that be a fun out of context thing? Okay. Here's a few of the penises the ones with stars are the penis and the star is on the base so like there's this muscular base of the penis that contains all the musculature to make it explode out that's just the mechanism to make it explode out yeah so the actual penis which doesn't always have to be long but i think the longest duck penis is over a foot long and that's longer than that bird's body that's like the argentine 
uh, lake duck. I think it's a member of the stiff-tailed duck group, so it kind of looks like a ruddy duck. Good cod. <laughs> so yes, would you like to attempt to describe some of these penises for our viewers? I, I know, it's not going to be <laughs> so horrifying. Yeah. That was a nice grimace. Right. Have any of you ever seen a sea cucumber? <gasps> I have. Parts of it look kind of like that. <laughs> what does that know. look like? It's Lumpy? okay. Let me let me rephrase that. <laughs> Do you know what tripe looks like? It's like a spongy. Isn't that ness intestine that you yeah. eat? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tripe is just a better way to say intestine. Okay. Some of these duck penises look like just a tubing of that intestine, just like <laughs> coiled up. Okay. And it's hard to describe. It's like it is because there's different fleshy, shapes and stuff, like spiny, twisty, twisty, squishy. Yeah, and some of these gray are pretty colored. Short. <laughs> One of them's kind of whitish. One of them's white. One of them's got pink and red on it. That's the vagina. But I imagine these are probably pickled. I, I'm not sure. Or preserved in some way. Yeah, probably. Yeah, they're pretty gnarly looking. One of them looks like a curly fry from Arby's. <laughs> Oh my god. How we ruined curly fries for somebody. Uh, okay, let me look at another figure and see if I can find another example of one with spines. I actually tried to look up which species had spined penises and I didn't have any luck, which made me really upset. Mm. I wonder if it's like, are the spines super obvious or Yeah. Like um, you know the True Facts videos? Yeah. I watched the one on ducks just for fun and I was kind of surprised at how much of this information they actually had in that video. I was like, good on you guys. But but he did show uh, a picture of one of the spined ones and it was like you know a, a corkscrew penis with little black like needle like uh, thorns coming off of it oh that freaks me out yeah and they weren't like you know honey locust thorns but they were noticeable okay can i ask you something yeah you know what a butt fly larva looks like right yeah <laughs> do those spines kind of look like those spines oh that's a good on question butt fly larva yeah okay this is weirding me out, I'll be honest. Oh, yeah. It's kind of uncomfortable. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so, yes, ornamentations. Now, one thing that makes the male duck penis so unique and adaptable is that they actually don't have their penis the entire year. <laughs> <laughs> Suckers. Suckers. So, at the end of the breeding season, it atrophies. And I read multiple accounts. So in my mind, why are your eyes watering? I don't know. I told you I was uncomfortable. <laughs> okay. So um, it may depend on the species of duck. And it probably, this is pure speculation, this okay. note right here, but it probably depends on the length of the penis. Oh. Because I imagine, anyway, so for some ducks, they reabsorb it into their body. So it kind of gets like sucked back in. It's like when a tadpole loses, loses its, its tail. tail yeah it kind of just like sucks it up into the butt and doesn't exist anymore um but it is also true that for some ducks it just shrivels up like an umbilical cord until it eventually just falls off oh god <laughs> so think think about imagine those penises now picture them shriveling up Oh my god! Into a crispy little black no, dead mass. That's what I'm picturing. And then they just kind of break off. <laughs> yep. Oh god. So that's a thing that happens. And okay. Yes. Do they eat it? 
I don't think so because like we were talking last time about how cool it'd be if they were like like duck penises in the bottom of lakes like feeding catfish and, and were stuff. Just eating them. <laughs> Um, but it sounds like they get kind of crispy before they fall off or not. I don't know if crispy is the right word. Like I'm, I'm sure they're probably like kind of flexible still, but, um, it's not like the full erect penis and it's like fleshy glory that comes off and just falls off. It kind of like shrivels up a bit. So, so animals might eat it, but I don't think the ducks do. This is, okay. So it's an explosive (laughs) erection, which means it's internal. Yes. To begin with. It is. And they can use it however many times they want in a season? Yes. Okay. So when it's time or when the season's over and it's time for them to slough off this member, uh-huh. does, um, do they leave it outside their body? Do they just like walk around with their curly That's fry hanging out while question. it dries out? I've never seen that happen. And... Because you said it gets all dry and crusty. It's not going to do that inside their body. Well, I don't know if it's like actually crusty, but like it looks like – Like a raisin. Yeah. But maybe like bigger. A, like a prune. Like a shriveled up like penis. I'm, I have no idea, but I'm, I'm picturing them just like pooping it out. You know? They have a cloaca. It's all the same hole. <laughs> it comes out of the hole? Well, it's not going to stay in their body if no, no, it's – No, 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 no. I mean it comes out of the cloaca hole. Is that right? Or is there like a when separate opening? When they're erect? Yeah. No, it's all one opening. Wow. Yeah. So so um, same is true for females. So uh-huh. I wondered how when the penis is going in there, how it finds the correct opening yeah. when it's inside. But it's it's just because, you know, like their uh, waist tracts aren't going to be able to like fit a penis in them. I got you. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the vaginal opening is connected to the cloaca. Same for the penis, which is inside. And I don't know if you noticed in those um, – pictures but that big mass that looks kind of like a ball sack yeah yeah that um had a little collar of feathers around it yeah that was the cloacal opening yeah so some of that was internal and some of it goes external and even though it looks like it's just kind of like popping out out of nowhere like the penis exists inside their body and it's taking up space and mass so they must just like cut off the flow of blood and let it desiccate yeah exactly okay yeah that's exactly what happens okay for some of them and again pure speculation but i imagine the one with a 12 inch long penis is probably in the desiccation category Mm -hmm. and some of those smaller penises are more likely to just get reabsorbed okay but i don't know if that's for sure true oh weird i know isn't it great (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. So that's really fun. And you know what? I think this is probably an adaptation that's related to their other breeding season changes because in birds, generally speaking, so we're looking beyond ducks now, when they're not in the breeding season, their testes will kind of atrophy too. And so will their ovum. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. And, And that's probably a weightless adaptation for birds for flight so in order to conserve weight yep when they're not using those features they kind of shrink and become atrophied yeah plus it doesn't make sense to waste the resources on it when it's not in use exactly yeah and birds are very efficient machines yeah bio machines bio machines (laughs) (laughs) i saw a tiktok earlier where it was like we're all quarantined so the government can change the batteries in their bird robots. I saw that one too. It was so funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. I promise that they are real. I, You know, my favorite web comic, um, Mare Internum. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In that one, the Martian that they meet later on explains that all of the features inside – have you read the whole thing yet? No, not the whole thing. Okay. Well, she explains that um, all of the features, like the little like – 
um, worm guy and his leg and stuff are actually Martian machines because on Mars, instead of making mechanical machines, they make organic machines that provide functions like filtration and like, so like the little like worm dude on his leg is kind of like having a toaster attached to your face or whatever. Oh my God. So I don't know, maybe bio machines, organic machines are in our future somewhere. That's freaking wild. (laughs) I love that concept. Anyway, my point is... (laughs) Um, it's, it's probably a flight adaptation and that's, that's pretty stinking cool. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, um, talking about males again, that's, that's their anatomy. Let's talk about their behaviors. So we talked about how they force themselves. Mm-hmm. Mallards are the worst. Mallards can be so eager to force copulations that they can actually kill the females. Dang. Yep. And they are also so eager that there is at least one documented case of homosexual necrophilia Ooh. in mallards. Whoa. So, like in the wild? In the wild. Dang. Yep. There was, a, yeah, basically the male duck attempted to copulate with a corpse of another male mallard. Oh, another male? Yeah, yeah. Homosexual necrophilia. I was just like fixated on the necrophilia and I was like, I know other animals do this too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. And so it's not necessarily unique to the animal, unique in the animal world. No, because not necrophilia. Yeah, and like... Because sometimes, like, you know, otters, and I think this happens a lot in um, aquatic animals that breathe Mm -hmm. air. So same is true for for the females. Usually when the females are killed by copulations because they're doing it on the water and their head is being held in the water. And they just drown. Yeah. Um, And so that does happen. Mm -hmm. But actually, um, there are a lot of other consequences to this for the female. So there was a paper in 1983 written by Frank McKinney and his colleagues that described mallard habits. Um, it was called the forced copulation waterfowl, and he described some of these forced copulations. I'm going to actually read a quote from it because I think it's better than trying to paraphrase him. But he said, when the mate was absent, the male often walked casually over to the female and proceeded to mount without pausing. Wild melees were often witnessed as males came in as, quote, spectators and subsequently attempted forced copulation. Up to three males were seen piled over one another, attempting to copulate with the same female, and groups of 20 or more spectators commonly gathered. Jeez. Um, And you know what? They can actually be so eager to mate that they'll even try to force extra pair copulations. And we call it that because um, in a monogamous species where they pick one partner to mate with, any copulations that occur outside of that social relationship pairing, the social pairing, mm-hmm. are called extra pair copulations because they occur outside of their monogamous pair bond. Dang. Yeah. So anyway, they can try to force that on other species too. And I've got a video here of oh. a wood duck male and a mallard male both attempting to have sex with a mallard female at the same time. Dang. So I'm going to show it to you. And I'll post this on our thing. But okay. yes, here they go. And actually, sometimes this results in uh, crossbreeding of species and hybridizations. Hybrid, yeah. That's one reason why. Yeah, it's like biting her head. I don't oh, like yeah. it. Sometimes um, they'll like rip feathers out of the females' heads. Like it, you can find females with bald spots on the back of their head where they've been bitten by a lot of males. <gasps> Rude. I know. Slap a, slap a bitch. Ugh. I don't like watching this. Yeah. But that's why it's not uncommon to find yeah. hybridized ducks, yeah. unfortunately. Makes sense. Wah, 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 Dang. Wah. Yep. Rough. That's gnarly. This poor lady. Yeah. Okay. Um, so here again, a reminder about anthropomorphizing. Yes. 
Um, we're talking about things that to human audiences, I know are really difficult to talk about, but we are talking about biology here. We're talking about a species that, or a group of animals rather, that has taken an interesting evolutionary pathway to their strategies. And so just a reminder, try not to attribute too many human emotions and morals onto these animals. Yeah. It's kind of irresponsible to do that. Yeah. And I was going to mention, just because I'm reacting uncomfortably, I know that this is normal for them. Right. And it doesn't mean that it's not negative for the female that's experiencing mm-hmm. this or for I, – I don't know what's going on in a duck's brain. Yeah. Um, but we do know for sure that there are female reactions to this negative consequences for the females that we can measure and observe. Um, And they do fight back and try to help themselves, which is great because like I mentioned earlier, their mate doesn't always step in. And again, this is part of the strategies that these particular species have found to be the norm for that species. Mm -hmm. So um, McKinney, the same guy I was just uh, quoting earlier, also found that the mate of that female – does not always help her if they return and find Mm. this happening. When it's just one aggressor that's trying to copulate with his female, um, 56% of the time, they will try to fight him off. Just the one? Yep. Okay. Um, So barely over half of the time, they will intervene if there's only one. Hmm. Guess what happens when there's at least two or more? Probably goes down significantly. Absolutely. And in that case, if there's multiple males involved – only 27% of the time mm. do they attempt to help the female at all. I mean, and that makes sense. Yeah. There's a lot of other It's males hard to there. take on multiples when it's just one. Yeah. And I don't really know how this would work in an evolutionary sense. I don't know how a lot of this works in an evolutionary sense, honestly. But at least for ducks, there are mechanisms in place to basically mean that that doesn't matter unless she's getting drowned or something. Mm-hmm. Um, more on that in a minute. But – Because of the mate's response, even if he's there to witness it, it's pretty much up to the females in most of the cases to fend for themselves. Mm -hmm. And they will try. So they can hide. They can fight back. Or like we witnessed yesterday, they can try to fly. And if they fly long enough, maybe they'll lose them and the males will give up and go about their own way. Um, But there are some consequences for it. And they can be pretty high. Uh, They can actually end up losing their social mate because of this. Oh, wow. So Dr. Brennan, who was the one who like um, discovered the duck vagina stuff back in 2007, she wrote another paper in 2012 with Dr. Richard Prum, one of her other authors from the first paper. And uh, I'm going to quote this again because it's really good. Females may lose their social partner and the direct benefits he provides, including feeding, territory defense, protection, and in some species, parental care. Females may even abandon their current reproductive effort with high levels of forced extra pair copulations. So if she has ducklings or a nest that she's been incubating, if she's being forced to copulate with males outside of her pair bond too often, she could completely abandon all of her offspring. Wow, that's pretty intense. I know. So that's insane. And obviously they can get killed too. So that's another negative, obviously. Yeah. Okay, I have a question. Yes. What's the ratio of male to female ducks? I don't know. That's a great question. They're – oh! 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 What? That's a really good question. And holy shit, I think I just thought of something. So like – I I was not going to talk about this during this presentation Uh because it's more of a general bird thing. Okay. But in birds, the females can control the sex of their offspring. Yeah. 
Yeah. So the females have the um, XY chromosome. Basically, it's called a ZW, and the males are the ZZs. Uh-huh. So since the female gamete determines the egg, determines what the sex is instead of the sperm, mm-hmm. somehow females can actually use that to manipulate the sex ratios. And I read that in birds, generally speaking, females, if they really like their partner, will often opt for producing more male offspring. Because they're like because they want to spread those genes, mm-hmm. and there's more. It, the hypothesis is that this allows them to spread their genes more widely because mm-hmm. males are more likely to be able to spread their reproductive potential around to other partners than a female can. Dang. Yeah, and in an event where they have a bad partner, they're more likely to re uh, to put their reproductive effort toward females. females. They're like, screw they're like, suck. yeah, your male gene sucks. Let me pass on some female genes. So maybe that's hmm. a part of it. I, I need to look this up, but it may be that there are more males than females out there. Mm-hmm. Wow. Especially if they really like their mate and it's female choice in this species. Yep. Um, so, wow. Ooh, yeah, man. Well, I just got cool. goosebumps. Me too, man. Oh, I got shivers. Oh, that's fun. Okay. So <laughs> here's, here's the kicker because okay. in addition to controlling sex ratios, as you know, Lindsay, mm-hmm. um, they also control who's fathering their offspring. So yes. here's what's cool. Even though this is happening in such regularity, only 6 to 11% of ducklings from forced copulations are fathered by the antagonizer. So other sources say that 3%. So basically, 89 to 97% of her ducklings come from her chosen mate no matter what. So not all of her ducklings have the same paternal genetics. No. Interesting. But that's a really – I mean, if you're thinking about a clutch of like 15 eggs or something, which mm, is yeah, pretty high for a duck, a um, if you think about that, like you're not going to – maybe one or two of those eggs will be from another father. But it's very, also just as likely that the entire clutch could be from her chosen mate, even if she's had forced extra pair copulations. Okay. Yeah. Crazy, right? Yeah, that's wicked. Ooh, so that's real fun. And that brings us to the female duck because obviously something is going on there. Yeah. And Dr. Patricia Brennan and her colleagues were determined to figure that out. So I'm going to go back to their introduction. Yes. <laughs> Excuse me. Let's go. Let's go. What? Are you sure they're all doc- PhD doctors? Because they don't always list it on their papers and they might be master students that she's co-authoring with. Um, she has been referred to as Dr. Patricia Brennan, and she okay. has published additional papers. So it may be that one of those initial papers was a master's or grad work or something like that. But she has been referred to as Dr. Patricia Brennan in future okay. publications. Just, just making sure. Yeah. Because I saw like her name at the top of that paper, and I was like, it doesn't say what her like credentials are. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she has moved to different universities over time. So I know that initial paper was studied in conjunction with Yale and um, Sheffield or something. Yeah. Uh, subsequent papers were published through other universities. Okay. So she may have gotten faculty positions somewhere else okay. or something like that. I was just curious. You Not can sure. cut that part out. Okay. Um, okay. So they were so excited about discovering this because, again, this is the first time we realized, hey, vaginas can be just as complex or more complex uh, more. than males. Yeah. So, quote, the complex genitalia of female waterfowl are the first reported for any avian group. Elaborate vaginal morphology appears to have co-evolved with male phallus length, which in turn co-varies with levels of forced extra pair copulation. Dang. So I, I don't think I 
remembered to say this, but earlier I said the penis falls off every year. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I was going to ask you about the different lengths. Yeah. So when they grow back, they can grow back longer or shorter than they did the last year. Yes. And that's all to do with how many rivals they have. So if there's more competition in a given year, they'll grow a longer penis. So that is directly comparable. And it turns out in female ducks, when there's more extra pair copulation in that species that occurs, their vagina is conversely more complicated than oh, other female ducks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty cool. And they also discovered, this is really cool, um, they, they looked at the phylogeny of the 16 different species they studied, and they found that these large penises and the um, comparatively complicated vaginas mm-hmm. actually evolved independently and convergently in at least three different lineages of ducks. What? Yeah, so in the dabbling, stiff-tailed, and diving groups of ducks, these things, these traits evolved yeah. separately from each other. What? And they co-evolved similar mechanisms. I know! That's like... Isn't that insane? That's insane. The I, probability of that is, is wild. Yeah. So that's, that's just crazy to me. Holy shit! <laughs> I know. And within each group, uh, vaginal evolutions developed correlating specializations independently also in all three lineages. Holy moly. I know. I'm getting goosebumps again because that's so My freaking eyes are starting cool. to water. <laughs> I told you there'd be cool new stuff yeah, in this here. Yeah, this is dope. Uh, and I love all of this like research into the phylogeny of how these yeah. things came about that and how is... they relate to other species. Oh, is... I love it when they like pick up on one thing and then they bring it back and they look at like the bigger picture yes, of it all. Yes, I know. Oh, I love it. I'm, I just like, I'm getting permanent goosebumps Yeah, this is here. really cool. <laughs> okay. This is cool. See, this is why I told you it was going to be like one of my favorite episodes we did because we haven't even got to the female part yet, barely. Holy God. Um, okay. It, this is shorter though because we've talked about the relationship to their breeding and yeah. stuff. Anyway, so um, basically the duck vagina makes forcible entry nearly impossible for the male ducks. That's, oh my God. And I know you're already aware of some of this, but I'm going to recap it for anybody who is not aware of these things. Um, Basically, the female has some crazy morphologies to counteract the male penis. And these mean that actually only one in four matings result in the penis, well, result in male success, quote unquote, which basically means the penis gets in there enough to ejaculate sperm somewhere in her body. That doesn't mean that he's necessarily successful in in terms of actual copulation success fertilizing eggs basically it means that sperm got into her somehow it doesn't mean that he even got anywhere like far in her vagina it's just in there it's just in there yeah so um only one in four matings result in sperm getting in her at all Hmm. which is crazy so what that means is that only if the female is relaxed and cooperative can the male's sperm get anywhere close Hmm. to the unfertilized eggs and full penetration isn't possible at all without her full willing consent. Wow. I know. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> so I already showed you those pictures, so I'll skip on that. Okay. Because um, you've seen these before, but anybody listening, you can look at these duck vaginas, like, taken out of the body uh, on that paper. What? Aren't the duck vaginas – so the 
male penis is counterclockwise <laughs> and the females go clockwise. Yes, exactly. Okay. So they they spiral in the opposite direction of the males, which on its own is a great way to counteract that penis. So what that means is um, if she's contracting her cloacal and or vaginal muscles, she can pretty much prevent that penis from being able to get in there at all. Um, now, there's also other strategies like pouches and dead ends and basically some of these vaginas and again the more forcible the males are and the longer their penises are the more complex her vagina is but for those complex ones it's basically a maze where okay the male's really incessant well maybe she'll let him in a little bit but it goes to a dead end and he feels very accomplished and ejaculates in a little pouch but it's not full penetration it's not anywhere near her vagina and none of that sperm is going to go into her eggs dude it's literally a cave of wonders yes oh my god and it's amazing and uh, you can actually tour a duck vagina cave of wonders. <laughs> I've not done that yet. Yeah. Oh, it's it's like, it's not. It's like maybe a five minute um, experience, depending on you know how many of the videos you watch to their completion. But it's an app, right? But it's an app. Okay. Yeah, you can get it on Android. I don't know about iPhones, but there's a VR duck genitalia app <laughs> that you can get for your your Android devices. It's in the Google Play Store. It's on my phone right now, um, and it's like a 3D model inside of a duck vagina. But you also kind of go through some like basic duck anatomy and explanations and it's it's wonderful so you can tour the cave of wonders if you want it's hilarious <laughs> i love it um but yeah so it's it's really amazing and basically not only can she prevent his penis from getting in there control whether it gets diverted into other pouches but she can also auto eject the penis and i've shown Lindsay animations of this um i probably won't post it because it's like a full ted talk oh. um but like you could link to it if someone wants to watch it. Yeah. Oh, okay. I will do that. Um, and you can watch the whole TED Talk online for free. There's a lot of really good sex information for animals in general in that video. So mm. pretty fun. Um, but yeah, if she's not into it um, and changes her mind or whatever or um, feels like it's not going her way, she can use her internal muscles to like squish his penis out of her vagina, basically. <laughs> I'm just... Picturing that little video that you played when, yeah. we, went, when we were at Love Bites at the zoo. And it's uh -huh. just like... <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it, yeah. Um, and now, again, depending on the species, the the way that this happens can be different. So I'm sure for females where the, the penis has spines and stuff, probably she's forcing more of her effort into preventing it from getting in there in the first place mm. and not like letting it divert because sometimes those spines can help it like worm its way through the maze. And we have found that the more complex her vagina is, the more likely that penis is to continue growing longer because that's the male's way of trying to force himself in there. Like mm -hmm. if he's got a really long penis and he's like explosively erecting himself near her cloaca you know, there's more chance he'll be able to muscle his way through yeah. and get to the end. So that's why it truly is antagonistic co-evolution. It's not like female choice or mate selection. Yeah. You know, like back when we were discovering natural selection, mm -hmm. Darwin really only talked about like external features. Yeah. He was like, hey, birds choose mates based on their plumage and stuff. And we had no concept of the fact that sometimes sexual selection can be a literal arms race for control over their own, their reproductive futures, you wow. know? And that's what happens. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, so my last topic is knowing what 
Nothing, I'm just ready. Oh, you're, you just look so intent. I thought you had something to say. No, I'm just real excited. <laughs> so I'm ready to learn how to woo yes, a duck. Now that we know how complicated it is, how do you get on a female's good side? How do you woo her and become her first choice to be her mate for that year? Can I guess? Yes. Bring her food? No. And wine? No. No. <laughs> There are a lot of birds where the food part is part of it. Yeah. I'm not aware of any <laughs> wineness, but not, I mean, fermenting well. fruits. <laughs> there's, well, I was going to say there's probably not very many fermenting fruits out in the spring that early, but December, mm. maybe. I don't know. Well, that's not happening in ducks. <laughs> anyway, um, there, there may be some grebes that bring fish in and stuff like that, but not okay. ducks. Okay. Okay. So for ducks, it's number one. How pretty are you? <laughs> the, bo- the boys. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. That's one reason why in ducks, that sexual dimorphism is so heavy. Like the female ducks are pretty plain. Mm-hmm. The male ducks are extraordinarily gorgeous. Beautiful birds. For the most part. Sometimes they're the exact same or very similar. Mm. But the point is in, in most cases, the male is brightly, brightly colored. Um, and the female differences might be subtle in some cases from the males. Okay. But usually they're pretty stark. So the prettiness, the attractiveness matters. The other thing that really matters is your dance moves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Could have. Should have guessed that. Should have guessed that. And yet you did not. Um, so there's a lot of beautiful courtship displays in ducks. And a lot of these courtship displays focus on showing off some of their plumages. Like the the <gasps> ducks will, yeah, flex their wings yeah. so that they're like brightly colored. Spots on their wings will show uh, and stuff like that. So there are very rigorous selection processes. And those selection processes are pretty cute. I'm going to show you some videos. <gasps> I'm excited. Okay, we will watch this together. So, dear listeners, I will describe this to you. Feel free to open up your computer if you're able to and play this video at home so you can follow along. But here are some of their techniques. Number one is the head pumping technique, uh, which is what you might have seen where both male and female might put their heads up and down real fast, like wing, wing, yeah, wing, that's all wing. Also, there's the head up, tail up, which Lindsay is <gasps> laughing about over here, Cute. where they literally like throw back and like a... Uh, kind of touch their tail and their head together. It's really cute. They bob up. And did you see how they like showed off? I'll go back a yeah. little bit. Oh, no. They they showed off their little um, wing spots when they yeah, did that. Yeah, I saw that. So we'll watch that one more time. So they're just floating around on the water and then they pop up their butts up into the air. Flash of color. And flash the color. Yep. Here's another technique. Which oh, is that called, is a weird looking bird. That's an eider. I love them. Uh, pushing and reaching. This is the king eider. So basically they're taking that neck and they're like, like pushing it out far and kind of like reaching forward slowly. That's um, a weird looking bird. Around. Well, they have like a big schnoz because they have salt water glands. Uh, okay. Yeah. So they're okay. And then there's the head throw. This cracks me up. There's these little golden eyes that are like throwing their head all the way back to their butt and then like popping it forward as far as they can and what's really fun about this is that ducks tend to hold their neck down against their body when they swim but these dance moves really show off how freaking long their yeah. necks are it's almost kind of scary oh to i see. never would have even thought about the length of their necks it's yeah. real long because <laughs> it is they, they just tend to not show how long their necks are <gasps> they look, look like ding dongs <laughs> they do it reminds me of some of those like automatic toys where they're like bouncing <gasps> back and forth or whatever yeah yeah but yep so they'll do that usually while they're swimming together and um here's the head throw 
kick, which is kind of cute. So <laughs> they will do the same thing where they'll put their head all the way back to their butt, throw it forward, and then kick their little back feet behind them so they show off their brightly colored legs. And then there is the salute curtsy demonstrated by some red-breasted mergansers, which is kind of hard for me to <gasps> display. But basically they, they salute the female with their beaks and then they do a little curtsy where they like bow forward in the water. Um, you could imagine if they had arms that weren't wings, they would like throw them out. Yeah. Sometimes they run across the water depending on the species too. Um, but yeah, there's that. And females have a way of showing that they are interested and engaged. And uh, they can also use this particular dance move in order. It's not on the video, so I paused it. It's not on, um, but if they want the males to start dancing, what they'll do is they'll just kind of like flatten themselves out on the water and like duck down really low. And you might have seen that before. So basically it's like if they're receptive, they're basically like getting down so that the male can mount on her. Okay. Yep. And so it's like an invitation for her him to mount. Okay. But she can also do that briefly as a way to say like, hey, I'm interested in mating with one of you dorks. Can you please dance for me so I can see which one is best? Cute. Yeah. So that is how you successfully woo a female duck. You got to have some stellar dance moves and you got to be real pretty. So it's up to the males to perform and it's often in groups like you saw. So there'll be like one or multiple females around and then like lots of dudes competing for her attention. Yeah. And then she'll pick the drake that's to her liking and what's really cool is that the males actually don't learn these dance moves. They are born knowing how to perform these dances. Dang. Yep. That's pretty dope. So, you know, like the the male ducks we have here that we brought to Passport to Nature and stuff last uh -huh. year? Pintails. Yeah. We have the pintails and the cinnamon teals. Oh, yeah. I forgot we brought the cinnamon teals. Uh -huh. And those guys are captive bred. We have only males, but they know how to do dance moves. Oh, man. Like, we've seen them do their, like, <gasps> blah, 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 so blah, blah, fun. and, like, bob their heads and stuff. Yeah, so it's genetic. It's hardwired into their genes. They know exactly how to do it. That's pretty cool. Yep. So that's how you successfully become her partner. And then for the ones that are left in the dust, they do their best and hope they win the evolutionary lottery to overcome her defenses. But she's got some... Damn good defenses. She does. So. <laughs> she really does. Unlikely, but a very minute chance that they will be successful in at least getting a baby or two. Oh my God. Yep. Now, in conclusion, <laughs> I, I came across an article um, on Live Science that was, it was called How Corkscrew Vaginas Evolved. And I was like, dope. Um, but then I clicked on it and started reading. And it was an interview with this guy, um, I'm not going to try and say his name because I'm, I'm going to destroy it. Look at this name. You say it. Right there. Schiltzian. Thanks. Um, <laughs> I'm really sorry because this person sounds really cool. Um, I did not write down what his credentials were. I forgot. But he did write a book in 2014 called Nature's Nether Regions. <gasps> Dope. <laughs> I know. Where he went into like a lot of the, the biology of different animals and their – um, genital morphologies in particular and uh -huh. stuff. I want to read this book. Oh, yeah, me too. Like, it looks so interesting. And this interview is so, so fun. So I'm going to link to it. And you know what? Um, they, I, I totally messaged you in Discord about it, and you did not respond. I don't have Discord on my computer anymore. God damn it, Lindsay. I got annoyed. Ugh. I, I told you I'd re-download re it. I okay, will do that. Okay. At any rate, um, they, in this article where they interviewed, he was talking about the 
gynosome from your neo, neotrogla. <gasps> neotrogla. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it was so cool. Yeah. And we were putting stuff in, like, he was making some observations that, like, we didn't even make in that podcast about really? it, which was, like, really fun. Oh, yeah. That's freaking dope. Um, so I, I have a lot of respect for this guy, and it was really cool. Um, so he, he went into, like, great depth about genitalia, biases in the biological community that stopped us from coming to these conclusions and stuff. It yeah. was just so amazing. I'll link to it on our show notes. But I'm, I'm going to read a quote from him that I thought was really freaking cool um, about duck genitals and all these other really cool things we talk about from Night Nature. Because really, this is kind of like for me almost like, this is why Naughty Nature is so cool. And so like, anyway, okay, let me read his quote. Okay. So he says, when everything is bizarre, then nothing is bizarre. <laughs> Stay with me. Okay. We have a tendency. Oh, I see what you're saying. We have a tendency to still use what is familiar as the norm. And we need to realize that very few animals, because of this huge diversity, can be directly compared to humans or other animals that we're familiar with. And at a certain point, I wouldn't say you become blasé, but you do become aware that this unpredictably is more – sorry, this unpredictability – is more characteristic of sexual evolution than anything else. Wow. When you realize this, you stop being surprised. Huh. So what he's saying is that like the more you look at these things, the more you just realize that everything we think is normal is 100% based on our bias as a human. Yeah. We see animals around us. We surround ourselves with animals that are similar to us in certain ways. But the more you learn, the deeper you go, the more crazy you realize nature is. And how some of the things that seem like horrible to us as humans are just like the norm for how nature as a broader scale of things operates. And I think that that's so cool. Like nature is so flippin' naughty. I know. This is why we have the best jobs in the world. Because we literally just learn about how freaking dope nature is all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And we get paid for it. Yeah. And I I hope that like the more we do this podcast, and I guess that's my favorite too. Yeah. Which we're also producing more episodes for, by the way, right now. Um, but the more you dig into things, the more you realize that everything around us is interesting and nothing is really what we would say normal or what we would describe as normal. Well, yeah. Well, what is quote normal? Yeah. What's normal is how humans do things and how humans look and how humans act and behave and how humans have morals and... That's a human thing. That's human. That's it's normal not, for human beings. It's yeah. not normal for a giraffe. Yeah. And that means there's so much crazy stuff out there for us to learn about our world. Like, we could have a gazillion <sighs> episodes. We could. Because there's always new stuff to learn. Constantly. And we're always discovering new stuff. And yeah. There's new science being published. And there's stuff out there that we haven't even discovered. Yeah. Yeah. Species we haven't discovered. Right. It's batshit. Yeah. And it just makes me so excited about our world and me too. Our jobs. It just kind of like <laughs> relights that little fire. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not that it need. Not that it ever really went out. But I guess there's times when it can feel like it's getting a little bit dim. A little dim. It can get tough. Stagnant. Stagnant. Let's say stagnant. Yeah. But if you keep learning new things, yeah, there's always new things that you can find that you haven't learned yet. <laughs> this is a great way to end this episode. Thank you. Well, and speaking of ending it. it, that's that's the end of what I had for you, Lindsay. Okay. So I'm gonna plug our other podcast. Okay. This is an R-rated podcast, as you know, so it's not necessarily family friendly. But if you're looking for a more family friendly podcast, 
Check out our That's My Favorite. We literally geek out about our favorite things because when it comes to nature, everything is our favorite. It's true. So (laughs) more podcast episodes coming your way from both Body Nature and That's My Favorite. Um, Thanks to our producers, the Great Plains Nature Center, for letting us, their employees, talk about sex on a podcast. Show notes are on NaughtyNaturePodcast.com. Email us at NaughtyNature at GPNC.org. And the next time you are taking a beautiful walk in the park with your safe social distancing intact and you notice that a female mallard is desperately trying to run away from at least one but probably more than one aggressive male just remember she already has all of the weapons she needs to stop him dead in his tracks from achieving his true goal because nature is so naughty (laughs) the naughtiest (laughs) the end okay bye (laughs)